Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Welcome back to another episode of OsteoCast. Episode 61 today, we are going to have a conversation about ribs, rib mechanics and their influence on the shoulder and, and some of the important considerations when you're looking at ribs and or assessing them uh, in the treatment room. So I think the first thing to start out in this conversation is obviously going through what the ribs are and you know everyone knows what the rib cage is or the thorax we may describe it as. Um, when we say rib cage, it's a combination of the ribs and their attachment points, which would be the thoracic spine as well as the, the sternum. And generally speaking, in a functional component, you're also going to include the clavicles and the rib cage as well, or sorry, the clavicle and the scapulas as well, mm-hmm. which is something to consider. Um, so when we talk about the ribs, what are some of the main components that you guys are looking at, uh, just in a, in a general sense, when you're looking at assessing or treating the ribs? How they move. So when the client takes a breath in, how do those ribs move? Can I feel, um, usually we'll take, assess the ribs in three sections, but overall, how is their general movement? Do they actually use their rib cage to breathe or are they using their belly to breathe? Or maybe they're using the accessory muscles in the neck, like the traps and the scalenes. Um, so really just seeing if they're even using that rib cage to its uh, full functional capacity. I think that's a really important point. Sorry to jump in right off the bat is that um, you talked about are they using the rib cage to breathe uh, or are they using accessory muscles or just their belly? Uh, I know it's something big that everyone, I know we've talked about it before as well, but belly breathing being a a focus or a priority. Uh, And obviously it's something that you need to be capable of doing, but not at the lack of movement in the ribs. I see that all the time in the clinic where there's people who have spent tons of time learning how to breathe out of their belly and that's how they breathe most of the time. Yeah. Um, but they actually lose some of the function of the upper portion of the ribs because they're not using that upper area of the ribs and, and lungs in expansion with breathing. So you find that there's a lack of motion there, which leads to other things at the neck and supraclavicular space and whatnot. I find too, a really common thing I've seen more recently is instead of utilizing the accessory muscles, people are using extension to get there. Oh yeah. So like sure. as opposed to the rib mechanics moving, it's their whole thorax going into extension to get them to take that breath in and then they're dropping back down. So instead of it moving, like Sarah said, we assess in threes. So you put your hands in those three positions and ask them to breathe. Like it, the movement isn't coming from there at all. No extension. Right. And then at the same time, uh, lifting the shoulders, like elevation of the shoulders. Yeah. But often then when you go to assess like the rib cage and the shoulder movement, what's your finding when you go to assess the two? Does the shoulders move on the rib cage well or not? No. No, no usually the, not. Yeah. yeah, the scapula or the the shoulder blade, it's stuck to that rib cage. So you don't actually yeah. have freedom of motion for that scapula to um, almost think of it as like a little swing, right? For it to go kind of in and out letting that arm rotate through. I think whether it's a lack of motion in the ribs or lack of uh, control or proprioception in the area, people extend because the extension acts as as expanding of the ribs. And then same thing with lifting the shoulders is that 
those secondary or accessory muscles will then lift the, you know, top six ribs will lift up with the shoulders coming up. So they're trying yeah. to expand their chest as well as they can, but either they don't have the, the whereabouts to do it purely from the rib cage or the rib cage has enough restriction, whether it's structural or neurological, that it's not moving as well as it should. So they rely on the extension and the shoulder lift just to breathe in a regular everyday basis. I also noticed that there's a difference between asking someone to take a normal breath and take a big breath. And I think that part of that is like a skill acquisition component of taking a big breath because a lot of people will breathe fine when they have normal breaths. But when you say, okay, take a big breath for me, then all of a sudden they use extension and lifting their shoulders because that's what they think a big breath is versus fully expanding the ribs in all directions. Yeah, that's an important point to make too, right? Because there, there's a big distinction between those two things. For sure. And do you find too, even if they take, if we're able to take a big breath in, then we don't let all the air out. So it's like that big inhale and then it's like a, like a quick puff of an exhale and you're like, oh, but you didn't actually <laughs> release all the air out of your lungs and kind of allow everything to relax back down and that diaphragm to contract again. So, Well, and that recoil of the ribs is, yeah. is a huge important piece of how we create that vacuum effect in the rib cage, right? So if you don't have that recoil effect... It, you can't fill your lungs to it, their full capacity either, creating the pop, proper pressure dynamics for that to happen, right? Uh, exhalation is supposed to be passive in nature, which comes from the elasticity of the, the cage, right? So if the cage has lost its elasticity or doesn't have that ability to have that rebound uh, movement like you're talking about, then you lose the component of of passive exhalation. So next thing you know, now you have to use the intercostal tissues and the serratus and other muscles in order to force exhalation, which can create a, a slew of other issues, whether that is just in the ribs or tying into other structures as well. And I find with that, that's how when kind of breathing deep becomes a challenge or hard, right? So when they have to take a deep breath more than a few times, it's like, hey, this is a little bit harder, or I'm not very good at this, or I don't want to do that because they haven't actually, just as you mentioned, they ha- they're they not using that full rib cage and they're engaging so many other muscles. And then I would say usually that follows with um, a sore neck or a neck that has no mobility to it because you're overusing all of those muscles through the uh, scalenes, the traps, and well, even and those, irritating that phrenic nerve that controls that diaphragm that lets us take that big breath down from the rib cage down into the belly. Well, we've talked about this before, but when you don't utilize the muscles or the, the structures the way that they're supposed to be or the way they were designed to be, then you're actually being more inefficient because you're utilizing more energy to make those things happen. So it's not as efficient for your body. So every time you're taking a deep breath then, it's more work for you. Um, So from a osteopathic perspective, it's really important to get that rib cage moving because not only is it important in breathing, but that's where all the fluid, how all the fluid circulates throughout your whole body. So I would say from like a treatment standpoint, that's one of the, the, not the first things maybe, but one of the big major things that is important to clean up first. Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a ton of movement and a ton of joints and a ton of space there. And then just as you mentioned, you know, all the organ components and the visceral components and the cardiovascular components, everything else that sits inside there. So 
it's going to have a huge influence on all kinds of functions and movement in the body. So just because of how the body works, you're almost always going to either have some sort of lesion or compensation uh, or some sort of compensatory lesion pattern sitting in the, the thorax. So definitely something that needs to be assessed and looked at on a regular basis. So moving forward out of talking uh, about the ribs themselves, um, obviously with osteopathy, everything moves and works together and nothing works entirely on its own. So when you guys are looking at uh, obviously a thorax, we started to talk a little bit about how the scapula moves and slides around the ribs. Something to consider when you're looking at uh, the thorax and its movement is of course the scapular glide. So the scapula basically slides in any direction with the movement of the shoulder around the ribs. And if there's some sort of lesioning pattern in the ribs that is causing uh, extra friction or tension or a change in, in mechanical position of the scapula, whether that's some posterior ribs or uh, some ribs crunched or folded together or a uh, big rotation through the entire cage, that's going to limit the ability for the scapula to move. And then, of course, change the angles of force that the, the muscles and the tissues that attach to and from the body to the scapula and from the scapula to the arm. So it'll, it'll create dysfunctions in terms of those movements as well, which can cause other problems down the road. So when you guys are looking at the cage and looking at its influence on the scapula and vice versa, uh, generally speaking, where are you guys going first in that scenario? Are you going to be looking at the thorax or at the scapula first, or is it completely dependent uh, on each patient? It's completely dependent on each patient, but definitely we can't have one without the other. So we need to make sure that we have movement in the ribs and we have mobility through that scapula. Um, I would say it becomes very, when the patient has us sit on the table and you get them to go through some flexion extension motions or just have them sit there and take a look at how their body's moving, whether you do um, active or passive assessment, it becomes very clear to me which area is more stuck and which area needs to be released first. Um, again, as you know, I'm sure we say all the time, but it, it depends on the person, but uh, the, both of them are very important. So usually treating both, just depending kind of which one needs treatment first. And if one doesn't respond to treatment, then perhaps going back and assessing the ribs and make sure you've cleaned up that thoracic rib cage and then go back to that scapula thoracic joint to see how it's moving and see if you can get more mobility there. Yeah, I would say it definitely depends on the patient, but it also depends on where you're at in that treatment process. If that if it's the first time you've seen that patient, you're going to have a different approach um, to treatment in general than if it's, you know, if you've cleaned up a lot of other patterns first and they come in with, you know, either an acute or or maybe you've finally gotten down to that layer where where this is now a problem and you're finding more things. So Again, it is, I don't want to say it's trial and error, but it's good assessment and then seeing what the patient needs and how they respond to figure out which works first. And then making yeah. sure that everything works together before they leave your, t before they leave your office. Well, and I think one thing to, to note on it is you can be hyper detailed and specific and get into specific areas of the rib, whether it's a rib head attachment to the thorax or if it's its attachment at the sternal side or if it's just the AC joint or whatever it may be. But uh, at the beginning component of the assessment with it, like you're looking at how the thorax is working as a, as a, like a whole, how the rib cage is moving as a whole. And sometimes it's just watching the rib cage move. Sometimes it's placing your hands on the patient's back 
as they lay on the table or it's one hand on the back and one hand on the sternum and you're seeing how that entire cage moves as a whole whether it completely expands or completely uh, contracts whether one side's moving more than the other and then based on that initial kind of thought process you can narrow down and get a little bit more detail uh, into specific areas just it completely depends on the person of course but for me i always like to start with a global assessment of the cage because I find that most of the time that's where the, the issues are going to be at is that global perspective. And sometimes you'll get into the point where it's a single rib that's caught or twisted or turned in a certain direction. Yeah. And to your point there too, Colby, d- depending on the person, even if it is that single rib that's caught, if those global mechanics aren't cleaned up first or aren't working well, they could be holding or causing that that little rib dysfunction or that single rib dysfunction. So it's important that one, you understand how the rib cage works and how they move, but, but also to make sure that everything in that area is doing the job it's supposed to be like globally before you're looking at those individual pieces, because it might, that might be causing the issue. For sure. Yeah. And just if people don't know what we mean by globally, um, we need general movement. So without getting specific, as Amanda said, into like one specific rib, how does your full thoracic rib cage move with, can you rotate left or rotate right or side bend, bring your shoulder down to your hip? Like how is that movement through the joints? Do you have good joint mobility? And when we're assessing all this, it's really important to talk to your patient and be like, okay, um, so see how you can rotate to the right, but you have no rotation left and, you know, and just getting them involved in the process and they can see where they do have limited rotation, especially if they don't come to you with a specific pain. Oftentimes they might be like, oh, I just, you know, I just was told I should come get an alignment and see how my body's doing. So just having more patient education and helping to increase their overall body awareness um, will in the long run help them come into your door. They've done their homework. They're going for their walks. They're adding more movement into their life. So you come and see you less. And there's also just less work for you to do on the table overall. I think as far as patient education goes, for me anyways, especially within the last year, a lot of it has been talking about like the position they sit in for most of the day because the majority of people that work at a desk or have now been working from home, I find either started the year not in a great position because they brought their laptop home and we've talked about that, but often people are sitting in an extended position with their shoulders anterior to their hips and are like basically sitting in an extension with all their anterior tissues on length. So it it can really change the, that global motion of the rib cage, if if that's how you're spending eight, 10 hours of your day. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, and a lot of uh, protracted scapula. So those um, shoulder blades are just so far forwards that they've lost all strength in the back of their body. So of course, it's difficult to have good postural motion. So it is interesting. So very, uh, I would say a lot of very similar bodies are coming into the office uh, since the pandemic, just because we've all been at home on the computer so much more than we ever have before. I don't think there's like, as far as I've been around, whether it was personal training or strength conditioning or now osteo, uh, there's never been 
so many people doing the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Like usually there's quite a good variance with people who work in an office or who work on their feet or who are doing sales or this and that and the other thing where right now it's like almost all of those jobs have changed to uh, being seated most of the time. And the ones that aren't working because of the the pandemic that was happening or is happening, um, they're at home hanging out, watching TV and doing things. So it's different to see so many similar not, not that everyone's the same, but similar lesion patterns because of the everyday activity that people are having, right? And patient education goes a ways in terms of even like the breathing we're talking about now is like, if you're not, you should be taking full deep breaths a couple times a day as every single person. If you're not getting it at least from your exercise, then it should be something you're adding into your day just to keep the thorax moving as well as it can. doesn't matter what you're up to on a daily basis, but a lot of people don't aren't don't and aren't moving and breathing and doing those things on a daily basis, which of course is going to limit overall health and function. So I think that it's kind of crazy to see that there's so many people in similar lesion patterns because of the changes in activity and the the world, how it's been lately. Yeah. And I'd say more than ever kids too coming in with like issues that adults have, which it doesn't happen that often. Just again, same thing. We're all doing the same thing on a computer, poor posture, you know, possibly poor ergonomics, right? Like we, most of our homes are not set up to be work from home. So yeah, it is interesting, but patient education goes a long way. As soon as you can bring awareness to it, um, that gives you the power, right? To start making changes and just being more self-observant with all of that. Yeah. When you can point it out and they can feel it, it it makes Mm -hmm. a big difference. Huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And on that point, like if you're not talking about patient education and and I think we've talked about self-assessments before as well too, but if you're not lifting your hands above your head during the day, that's another really big one. (laughs) Like just big movement that, you know, will, will help with overall mechanics and breathing. So yeah. Just something to add in. Yeah. No, I love that. Reach up and try to touch the top of your door every day. Really get a good mm-hmm. little stretch in yeah, with a big a breath. Few. I was just going to say, with a big breath. <laughs> add the breathing component. Exactly. That's funny. Cool. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a general kind of recap on the rib cage. I mean, it's something we can get into much, much more detail in. If, if you guys uh, like to hear about it and listen to it, it's something that you guys request, we can definitely dive into more detail on singular rib mechanics or, or the different areas of the ribs and how to, how to look at them in terms of assessment and treatment opposed to looking at the cage as a whole. Uh, but the first step for sure is looking at the cage as a whole. And some of the things we mentioned just to pass off for the practitioners listening is pay attention to how people are, are breathing. Take note and look at the difference between a regular breath and a full breath and how they choose to use their tissues, whether it's Uh, extending the spine, lifting the shoulders, whether it's a proper breath. And then when you put your hands on, you can do, you know, both hands on the front of the ribs, both on the back, on the sides, one in the front and back, but take a global assessment and see how the ribs are moving as a whole under your hands. You'll see if they're rotating appropriately, see if it's opening up and then, then start to dive into some deeper detail from there. But if you're not doing that, then just start when you, when it's necessary for, for someone who's having trouble, Um, start the, the global assessment first and go from there. Great tips, Colby. 100% agree. 
Cool. Awesome. Well, it sounds like that is just about everything for today. So let's wrap things up and uh, leave you guys with that for now. So I appreciate you guys listening today. Uh, If you want to reach out to us to ask us any questions or to request more talk on the ribs and or the details of it, uh, give us a shout on Instagram at osteocast underscore or on Facebook at osteocast. Uh, Otherwise, we will chat with you guys next week. Sounds good. See you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.